The Mario movie has its cast. I'm calling Cure Bust Red Light Green Light this week, and Ken gives us his top horror movies just in time for Halloween. All that and more on this week's episode of The Cube Busters. Hey, you sitting there with a bowl of popcorn, wondering what to stream on TV? Fear not, we're the Cube Busters, Andrew and Ken. Grab some snacks and enjoy a fresh look at the hottest shows, movies, and streams. I'm Andrew, he's Ken. How you doing, Ken? What are we talking about today? So this week in Q or Bust, I actually have some relevant movies that we can talk about. I saw Excellent. two movies that I think could be in the running for movie of the year. Um, I know that you've seen some really good stuff that I'm excited to get your thoughts on. Then we're going to talk about one of the biggest movies to come out next year. Uh, and then I'm going to be ranking my 31 favorite Halloween movies of all time. I am so excited. My one request, Ken, is, and we'll, you'll come to understand why, is that this week, instead of calling it Cure Bust, we call it Red Light, Green Light. Okay. All right. I'm in. And so with that, I'll kick us off with some Red Light, Green Light. I watched Netflix's number one show in the U.S., Squid Game. Squid Game is a Korean TV series um, about a bunch of people who are down on their luck. They find themselves in debt, and it's like this dystopian Hunger Games type feel where they get recruited to play in a series of six children's games for a prize of something like $30 million is the translation from the currency. And the first game they play, of course, is Red Light, Green Light, and it is a deadly game of Red Light, Green Light. Let's leave it at that. And this show is dark. It goes places I was not expecting it to go. It is hard to watch at times because... (laughs) Do you know what it is, Ken? It's like Escape Room. It's like Hunger Games. But it's also kind of like the movie Parasite, where it goes from 0 to 100. But it just stays at 100 for, you know, all, like, 7 episodes, 8 episodes. (laughs) Um, It's mostly in Korean with subtitles. They speak a little English, but it's like, you have to be reading the subtitles, because it's Korean-made. It was a fantastic story and like so much happens in the episodes and like between the games and like all the there's like all these different characters there's like one main character who is like uh he's trying to he has he's like a gambling problem and he's trying to get money because his mom is diabetic and she needs to pay her bills and then it follows this other part of the story where there's like the detective who's trying to track down his brother who he thinks somehow got recruited into these games and these games are being held in secret so no one knows about it. And like everyone who's running the games has a mask on and it's like, why are all these people wearing masks? And like, it's crazy, Ken. It, it is crazy. Like 
and I can't, it was really, 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 really good, and I give it a green light. Um, besides that, I, I started watching Midnight Mass on Netflix, which is the number two show on Netflix. So I'm watching the one, two, back to back, number one show, number two show. I haven't finished it yet, but it's by the same people who did Haunting on Hill House and Haunting on Blind Manor, so I'm fairly positive I'm going to enjoy it throughout. And that's, you know, a scary show. There we go. So two green lights for Andrew. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Funny enough, I was browsing Netflix earlier today, um, looking for a good horror movie to watch, and both of those um, caught my eye. Uh, trailers for both look phenomenal. So the fact that you watched both already, or you're halfway done with Midnight Mass, is pretty awesome. Um, I was a big fan of uh, their previous work, so I got to check both of them out because they look like binge-worthy content. Yeah, I uh, I haven't sat down to like binge Midnight Mass, but when I get back into it, I will probably binge it all at once. Squid Game, I watched over the course of two days. It was like you just want to find out what happens next and what happens next. Nice. How about you, Ken? Uh, for me, I saw two movies that I think could win movie of the year, MTV movie of the year. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't think either of them are going to win Oscars, but I found both highly entertaining. Let's start out with Nobody uh, that came out earlier this year starring Bob Odenkirk. Um, great movie. This is kind of similar to like John Wicks and things like that. Uh, basically this guy has a family, um, some things happen where a Russian mob gets involved and starts to come after Bob Odenkirk and his family. He has to protect them. Um, the action in this movie is top notch. I would say it's equal to or above John Wick, which is super high praise. Because John Wick prides itself on action-packed content. Um, the comedy in this movie is really good and unexpected. It's kind of more dark humor, but it works for Bob Odenkirk and how he delivers things. And there is a great uh, casting of Christopher Lloyd in this film. I'm not going to talk about who he is or what he does, but man, anytime he's on screen... He's great. Uh, Christopher Lloyd, for those who don't know him, Doc Brown and Back to the Future, among many iconic roles. Yeah. But, man, he is just phenomenal uh, in this film. And it's just it's a quick, action-packed, uh, high-octane fun ride um, that I think is in its own field when it comes to action genre. Like, I didn't think that this was copy-paste John Wick. I thought the kills were definitely superior uh, and creative. So I hope it gets a sequel because you would never think a guy like Bob Odenkirk could kick ass and take names. But, man, you watch (laughs) this movie, and uh, he's definitely not a nobody anymore. Wow, okay, that's... That's something considering you're saying you liked it almost as much as John Wick, more than John Wick. 
Yeah, I think as a whole, I like John Wick a little bit more. But if nobody gets two more movies and they're just as good as this, ooh, that's going to be a conversation to have. Wow, that's okay. That is high praise. Now, you also watched Old, correct? Uh, No. No, So the second one, I didn't tell you what I watched yet because I want to see your honest reaction. The second movie I saw yesterday was Free Guy, starring Ryan Reynolds. Yes, that just came out available for streaming, right? Yeah, so unfortunately, it's not anywhere big. So if you have HBO, Disney+, Plus, Amazon Prime, I didn't find it in any of those places. You either have to buy it on On Demand on Xfinity, yeah. or you have to go to the Microsoft Store. Um, we ended up doing Microsoft Store. Because then it goes directly to movies anywhere. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it is highly worth the $19.99. I'm so glad to hear that. Because I was looking for it, I think, this morning. And I am I was bummed that it wasn't... that. It's what you were saying. It's Right now it's available on demand to stream. It's not like on a streaming service yet. Like for, to stream for free with your subscription, right? And so I was like bummed because I'm like, all right, do I want to pay 20 bucks? But I'm glad to hear you enjoyed it. Everything I've heard from everyone else says it's really good. You're saying it's really good. Yeah. The only things I'll say about this movie is it's cameo driven. So expect a ton of fun cameos. Not going to say any of them. Sure. Um, Promise. No spoilers here. Uh, The message that's hidden in between from start to end is beautiful. Um, It gave me Ready Player Player One vibes, sort of. Um, But it definitely is its own movie and stands alone. And third, uh, it's just a fun movie. Like, it, it is basically GTA uh, live action with Ryan Reynolds <laughs> as the lead. And like, I don't think this movie works unless you have Ryan Reynolds. He's just, awesome. he's so good at becoming a character and just running with any kind of script. He just makes it work. Um, highly recommend it. Definitely the kind of movie you can watch in loop over and over again. And, um, it's a shame that it had to end because this is such a fun movie. I'm glad to hear it. I can't wait. I may even spring for the extra 20 bucks to watch it sooner rather than later. Do you have anything else before we move on? For those that it's not abundantly clear to, they're both green lights. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Okay. Uh, we have one piece of news, but before we get to that piece of news, really quick and bu- 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 barely news, this is going to be 10 seconds, Ken. <laughs> uh, the Bears put in an offer to buy Arlington Park and Arlington Heights. They'll probably be moving in a decade or so. That's exciting. Good for them. Yeah, I I think it's a great move. We live in the suburbs, so it's pretty – we're finally in distance to go see the Bears. Um, I, I will definitely miss Soldier Field because I've seen a couple games there and it is a great stadium, but, um, I don't think that this is going to change the franchise in any way other than making it 
more exciting. We both yeah, agree man. they need to get a dome, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel like if you're build, I don't know if I agree with it, but it's in this day and age, if you're building a stadium and you don't have a dome, people are gonna get mad at you. So it's, it's a no-brainer to have to like to require a dome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. real, real quick, since we're talking about the Bears, all I have to say is, I hope this week they put up some points and start heading in the right direction. Last week was a train wreck, and hopefully we never have to see something like that ever again. Best of luck to Justin Fields. If you're listening to the podcast, we haven't written you off. We haven't given up on you. You're still our hero and number one in our hearts. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that's an excellent assessment. Now on, on to our piece of movie news um so nintendo had one of their press conferences that they call nintendo directs and between all the video game stuff they announced their cast for their 2022 animated mario movie and chris pratt is going to be mario anna anya taylor joy is going to be princess peach charlie day is going to be luigi Jack Black is going to be Bowser. Seth Rogen is going to be Donkey Kong. Keegan-Michael Key is going to be Toad. Fred Armisen is going to be Cranky Kong. Um, there are a few more people thrown in there, too. This is a lot of big names for an animated feature. My takeaway is I'm going to watch it because, of course, I'm going to watch it. Um, it's going to be weird hearing Chris Pratt be Mario especially because Charles Martinet, who has been the voice of Mario for the past 20 years, not only in the U.S., but, like, internationally abroad. Like, once they heard his voice, he's like, all right, that's the voice of Mario everywhere. He's still going to be doing voices in, or sounds in this movie, so it's going to be weird to not hear him, like, talking as Mario, but him still doing voices. So... It's a lot of big names, so I'm expecting a good movie because that means they're putting money into this movie. Like, I'm leaning towards this is going to be closer to Wreck-It Ralph than to Emoji Movie. Oh, 100%. Uh, I think that this is going to be a masterpiece. Um, Chris Pratt is just a great actor. I think he's probably one of the biggest names in Hollywood right now. Um, he's voiced, uh, the main character Emmett in both Lego movies, which I find some of the best animated stuff that's out today. Um, and I came across a couple videos of him on TikTok describing how much this role of Mario means to him, how he grew up playing the games, how this is a huge, um, you know, role for him and how he's continuing to practice the voice so that it gets it done perfectly. Uh, I think he's going to be able to pull it off. I don't think you can um, expect the Mario that we all know and love. I think it's going to be his own style of it, but I don't think it's going to take away from the movie itself. I'm expecting a well-written movie with tons of humor a good story uh, and a heartfelt message at the end. So uh, two thumbs, green light, let's rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, I think you made some good points. The one thing I want to throw in there is uh, 
I don't. I think these are all good actors, and I feel like it's a it's a good casting. I could see these people being these characters, but I'm my one concern is I don't want me to take it out of the movie. And you bring up Lego Movie, and you know what? I think you're right. Chris Pratt did a good job portraying Emmett, and I I didn't think for a second it was Chris Pratt. You know, like it didn't take me out of the movie, but I could see myself like seeing Seth Rogen voice Donkey Kong being like, oh, that's Seth Rogen pretending to be Donkey Kong. And if that happens, then I'm going to be taken out of the movie. So as long as I don't get taken out of this movie, I think you're right, it will be a masterpiece. But they're going to have to really nail that to make sure that we don't just hear the actors instead of the characters. Yeah. Um, I I think they're going to pull it off. I just don't think you should go into this expecting anything you've seen before go in with an open mind knowing that these characters are going to be in the movie because there are certain voices like jack black and seth rogan that are very distinct and i don't know if they know how to change their voice in a way that doesn't let you know it's them you know right that's that's the concern i think if they can do it, it'll be great. Ken, it's time for your movie countdown for Halloween. Ooh. Yeah, this is my 31 frightening films. Uh, when it comes to scary movies, I probably could have put together a list of 200. So the fact that I had to trim it down to 31 uh, was a bit of a challenge because... When I put together this list, there's two things I want the listeners to know. Number one, this list includes family-friendly films as well. So I didn't just go up with straight-up slashers or ghost movies or zombies. I made sure that I included a couple family-friendly films so that if you have kids or you're just not into blood and gore, you got something fun that you can watch. The second thing is I wanted to shed some light on some films that maybe people have never heard of before or haven't watched in a long time and want to revisit. This list is for you to just kind of educate yourself on different kinds of horror films and different reasons to check it out. So hopefully everyone gets a little something out of this list. Um, it's not the right list. It's just my list. Excellent. I can't wait to hear it. Start us off strong. So I'm going to go from the bottom and then work my way up top. Uh, number 31, I'm going to go with a movie that came out a few years ago called Us by Jordan Peele. Uh, Jordan Peele made two really great films so far with Get Out and Us. And to me, Us is the one I tend to rewatch and revisit more just because the idea is truly terrifying to know that somewhere in this world there could be another version of you that's purely evil and its only intent is to find you, kill you, and take over your life. Now, if that doesn't scare the crap out of you, then I don't know what does. Yeah. And Jordan Peele's got chops for making a scary movie. He knows how to pace things. He knows how to build tension. He knows how to, like, put like deeper meaning into his movies. He's, he's making fantastic f films. Excellent choice to start us off. 
Thank you. Uh, number 30, I went with a slasher film from the 90s. A uh, little film called I Know What You Did Last Summer. <laughs> uh, a lot of people forget about this gem. Um, if you grew up in the 90s, you probably have watched this movie a thousand times because it was always on TV. And then it just vanished. And for whatever reason, you know, certain movies like Scream or Halloween or Child's Play stuck around and they always popped up every year. But I know what you did last summer just kind of faded out and nobody really talked about it again until this year because Amazon Prime has a TV show out about the film. Um, I like this movie a ton. I think it's a great slasher film. Freddie Prince Jr. is awesome in it as the lead. Uh, if you've never seen it before, basically a group of teens, they run a guy over. Um, they all decide, hey, this guy's dead. You know, we, we can't talk about this. Nobody can know. And then one by one, they get picked off. It is it is a great movie and something you should check out at least once. Yeah, solid. The fu- fu- funny thing is, so when this movie came out, we were both little kids, right? And mm-hmm. it came out around the same time as Scream. I thought this movie was Scream because in Scream, Ghostface is like calling the people before he kills them. And I right. thought he, he was calling them to tell them, I know what you did last summer. And <laughs> so like, I always confu- like combine the two movies in my head. So I don't know if I've actually seen this one. Well, if you're familiar with Scary Movie, um, which is a big spoof about Scream, they're also spoofing I Know What You Did Last Summer in the same movie. So it's very easy to get them intertwined because in the 90s, those were probably the two biggest horror films. It's possible I just watched (laughs) Scary Movie instead. (laughs) (laughs) That is possible, too. (laughs) <laughs> For whatever reason, on HBO Max, scary movie is under the horror movie genre, which is interesting. If people die, it counts as horror. Yeah. Uh, number 29 is a movie that not a lot of people know about. Um, it kind of like sprung up on people one year. Uh, it's Vacancy, starring Luke Wilson and... Pause for a second. I want to say it. Who's the girl from Underworld? Kate Beckinsale. Sorry. Kate Beckinsale. Wow. If Mike's listening to this, he's going to hate me because I know that's one of his favorites. (laughs) You you should be expecting a text with him chastising you. (laughs) Kate Beckinsale. How could I forget? Um, Vacancy is a great movie. Uh, Pretty boilerplate plot line. Basically, this couple, they go to a, a motel. And they get harassed the whole night by a bunch of people uh, knocking on their door and um, basically trying to kill them. And throughout the runtime, you learn a little bit more about this hotel, the people running it, some twists and turns. It is just a great suspenseful thriller movie. It's not gory. Um, it's not really scary. But the trip you go on from start to finish is really good. Um, I know a lot of people like the movie like The Strangers, which is probably the closest comparison to this, but I just prefer Vacancy. You'll never really see Luke Wilson in a role like this again. So 
fun to see people doing movies out of their elements. Nice. Yeah, this is one one of those that missed me. Uh, but sounds like a solid movie, nevertheless. What else you got? Number 28 is a movie I talk about quite a bit, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But that is Freddy vs. Jason. Um, not the biggest fan of Jason. Uh, I think those movies are super campy most of the time, and he just doesn't do it for me with the machete, the hockey mask. Like the look is, the look is fine, but I never felt like those movies were that great. Freddy, one of my favorites. So ultimately, in a movie where Freddy gets to kick Jason's ass, of course I'm gonna love it. <laughs> solid I watch choice. this movie every year. <laughs> yeah, solid choice. I like both of these characters. This is great. Now I know you like to do like a movie marathon during the month of October. If you're watching these movies in order leading up to Halloween, this is where I get real excited. You know. Because I know this is going to be a fun one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is just... what How they were able to do this movie was just amazing. Um, not only could they get the studio to agree to do it, because at the end... So I'm a, I'm a huge horror junkie. At the end of Jason Goes to Hell, there's a great sequence where you see Jason's head getting taken down by Freddy's claws. And this happens like five, ten years before Freddy versus Jason. So when people yeah. saw that in theaters, they're like, holy cow, are they going to finally have a crossover? And then when we get it, they get back Robert England to play Freddy one final time. And then they get Kane Hodder, who a lot of people love this Jason, to play Jason. And they finally had like it's a good enough plot to make the movie work. Yeah, two like supernatural villains who just go at each other. You don't need more story than that, honestly. And it works. Yeah, it's something the fans wanted to see. The heavyweight matchup. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, my 20, number 27 is a movie I'm curious to see if you've ever watched. This movie's been done and made so many times, but to me, the 1978 version captured it best, and that is The Invasion of the Body Snatchers. This is the one starring Donald Sutherland and Jeff Goldblum. This movie is damn near perfect. Uh, I'm going to pause for a second because I want to see if you've ever watched it before. Um, I'm trying to remind myself what it looks like because the name does not ring a bell, but I, I've heard you talk about it before, I think. So basically, Um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember this one. Okay. Basically, Invasion of the Body Snatchers has gone by that name before. It's also going by Cocoon and a couple other names um but 1978 did it perfectly donald sutherland as the lead was pure gold and then jeff goldblum as the co-lead was a great casting as well um this was before he was in jurassic park or anything major right so he's kind of just surfacing 
amazing film. Basically, one by one, these people get taken over by the body snatchers, um, which I can't reveal what they are because that would ruin the movie. But throughout the entire runtime, you are trying to figure out who is who. Did they get taken over? Are they really them? And throughout the entire runtime, not only are you trying to figure out who's who, you're rooting for these people to find safety, to get away from this terrible thing that's happening. And the final second of the film is so chilling and so crazy, you'll remember that movie for the rest of your life. You know what? Hearing you explain it, I've not seen this movie. I'm 100% confident in that. But I'm also 100% confident that I have seen it referenced or parodied many times before, whether it's like in cartoons or sci-fi or like just like like other movies and TV shows like as a reference to this. I don't know if this is what they were like referencing, but I've seen this plot and it's a great plot. Like you don't know like who's infiltrated your ranks and they keep taking over more and more people, right? Yeah. Love it. Great plot. Yeah. Great movie. Definitely recommend it. Um, they have done it many times, but this is the version I think that hits on all cylinders. Awesome. My number 26 is Halloween four. Uh, this is the second time Halloween has decided not to put Jamie Lee Curtis as the lead. Instead, uh, this focuses on what is presumed to be her daughter named Jamie. Um, and Michael Myers is after her in this film. Um, awesome movie. I think the Halloween franchise is one of the best franchises to date. Um, I can't say that about unfortunately child's play or freddy or jason unfortunately the quality of films throughout the franchise are hit or miss for halloween they're usually pretty quality films um his mask varies from film to film and a lot of people have a hard time with how goofy his masks look in certain movies especially this one but as far as pure tension goes and violence and uh the entire runtime, some of the, the sequences, it is one of the best Halloween films. There's a sequence in this movie where Jamie and her babysitter are on the roof. Michael Myers is chasing them on the roof, and they're trying to run away from him but also not fall off the building, and he's just swinging his knife around. It is just Tension 101, and I love that scene. I probably watch it once a year just to see that. That goes to say something for something about me, too. (laughs) I'm I'm beginning to notice a trend here. Uh, I'm not going to mention it, but I'm going to see how much it continues as we move on. Interesting. Uh, number 25 is the It remake that came out a couple years ago. Um, you're not going to see too many current horror films on my list. I'm just not a fan of what Hollywood's spitting out right now. 
Um, I did talk about Malignant uh, a couple podcasts ago. I thought that that was good. I talked about Conjuring Part 3. I thought that that was good. But to me, good is not good enough. Uh, I want my movies to be excellent or uh, world-changing. The It remake was everything that I could have hoped for and then some. Um, I think Bill Skarsgård, that's his name, right? Yeah. Bill? I think him as Pennywise was terrifying. Oh, yeah. And this this is the rare exception where I'm going to agree with you that CGI in a horror movie, if done correctly, could be successful. Pennywise as CGI is the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> I It doesn't age well. Like, the more I watch this movie... I'm not as scared anymore. But when I saw this in the theaters, pitch dark, and the projector screen came on, mm-hmm. oh my God, I jumped out of my chair. <laughs> and it takes a lot for that to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we're talking about part one or part two, or both? Part one. Um, right. With the kids. With the kids. Yeah. Which, yeah, go ahead. Okay, no, that makes sense. Uh, I would say that one was a scare of the two also. And yes, uh, the projector scene, the scene where he's doing that little weird dance and he's going da na 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 and the music just gets pumping it louder and louder. Oh, it makes your heart pound. And it's so funny that you say this is one of those movies that CGI makes it better because right, this is a, a point we've argued about before, but there's a fun fact that Pennywise does this weird eye thing where his eyes go in different directions to freak people out. And uh, on set of the second one, one of the adult actors, I forget who asked him, hey, how did they do that? Was that contacts or CGI or whatever? And then Bill Skarsgård went, oh, you mean this? And he just did the like weird eye thing because he he can just do it. You know, he can like go cross eyes and reverse and like make his eyes go different directions. They totally freaked the, the guy out. And so like. Amongst the CGI, there's still a practical effect that not many people could achieve that makes it even creepier. So you can see CGI makes it better. I can see that that quote-unquote practical effect makes it so much better, too. Because it is terrifying, his eyes. Oh, yeah. Perfectly cast. Put the makeup on him. He is just a a creepy guy you never want to run into. That's for sure. Yep. The, the other scene in that movie that always made me jump was the scene where they open up the refrigerator and you just see him like slowly unravel out of the fridge and you just, he delivers the, the line tasty, tasty fear as he's licking his lips. He's about to kill the kid. Yeah. Oh man, it's, it's yeah. creepy. Yeah. I think Pennywise, more than any other horror villain, creeps me out more. Like, I might be, like, scared or, like, jump shock, but Pennywise has to be one of the creepiest out there, especially in the remake. I'll get to one later on in my list that could go toe-to-toe with him. I can't wait to hear it. Uh, number 24 is going to be a film that I definitely want to highlight, especially to our younger audience that's listening, and that is Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. Nice. I, 
I grew up with Abbott and Costello. I loved all their films. And this is the one that I watch all the time, even if it's not October. Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. You follow the two comedics, uh, Abbott and Costello, as they meet Frankenstein, Dracula, the Invisible Man, uh, and the Wolfman. And yeah. the plot that they give you with this film is, is pure gold. And not to mention, if you love the original universal monsters that I do, Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, they actually convinced the actors that made those roles legendary to reprise their roles. And I think oh, that's really cool that that's an achievement in itself. Like Bella Lugosi was Dracula. And after that Dracula movie came out, he went on to do different things. He never did Dracula again until Abbott and Costello basically said, Hey, we want you to be Dracula again. And of course he did it one last time. Um, Unfortunately, if this is your first time watching this movie, I don't know how much you would enjoy it. It's, it's a, it's a style of comedy that just isn't appreciated as much anymore because it's, it's, it's a lot of three stooges type of jokes and, and material where like, you just have to laugh at like dumb stuff that they do. You know? Yeah, but that kind of comedy is timeless, right? You know, like jokes about a specific politician now, they might not be funny 10 years from now or like, well, I've forgotten the context, but physical humor is always funny. Yeah, the physical humor. Um, there's this scene where like the coffin of Dracula keeps going up and down because Dracula is trying to leave the coffin and the one guy realizes it. And he's trying to alert the other guy that it's happening. And then, mm-hmm. of course, by the time the other guy comes back, it's not happening anymore. So it makes him look like he's crazy. Yeah. Uh, such a such a good movie. So if there's one movie out of this list that I definitely want our audience to check out, that's one that I would highlight for sure. Because it's just not a movie that most horror fans or Halloween fans would probably even have on their list because they've probably never seen it. That That's a great point. And Abbott and Costello are masters of comedy. Just recommend anything from them. Agreed. Number 23 is taking a turn in a totally different direction. It is a movie we've talked about before on our podcast. It has possibly the best ending to a movie ever. And that is Saw. Um, I don't know what more to say other than those things there, but I remember seeing this at the show um, and just loving every minute of it. I own the entire franchise on Blu-ray. I think I spent $13 on it. It was a deal at Best Buy. Um, I have no interest in ever watching the other Saw movies ever again. Um they just continue to get worse and more graphic. But the first one is a genuine good murder mystery with some crazy stuff going on and an ending that will make you rethink that movie every single time you watch it. 
Yeah, great movie. I'm surprised it's not higher on your list, but I guess maybe that's in part due to the gore. But it also means I'm excited to see what else you got. So what else you got, Ken? Number 22 is finally going to be one of the first family-friendly movies we have on here. Uh, That is Nightmare Before Christmas. Now, I say that lightly because that is a pretty twisted cartoon. Um, But I love this. I think Tim Burton, as far as animated films go, really knocked it out of the park. Um, The soundtrack for this movie is fantastic. Um, The visuals we get are great. And um, not much more I can say on this film other than it's the perfect Halloween and Christmas movie all in one. Yeah, love Jack Skellington, love the little dog. It's a, it's a, I think it's one of the most distinct art styles in movies. What's next? The next movie is a movie that I think maybe 5% of the world even knows about. And that is Phantom Town. Uh, this is a movie I grew up on. I found it by mistake when I was a kid. <laughs> and it's one of those films, Andrew, that you watch it at such a young age that you actually forget it's a movie that you've watched. Does that make any sense? Yeah, like, it'll come up in conversation, and you, it'll be like a blast from the past, like, whoa, I haven't heard that name in forever type of movie. Almost. So, this movie I saw probably when I was seven or eight years old. I remember it really well, and then it just faded. Because it's never on TV or anything like that for whatever reason. Sure. And then I'm in, like, nostalgic 90s. Uh, group on Facebook and one day they posted this film and I kid you not usually once a year on Google I try to type in uh, things about this movie because I can never remember the freaking title and earlier this year on Prime I found it and I was so happy that I could relive this movie because it's so good it's got like goosebumps feel to it you know but it's a live action movie sure um, what's what's like the target age range because I'm, I'm i'm looking up this movie on wikipedia because i'm not familiar with it and there's literally you're right it's an obscure movie there's only three paragraphs about it on wikipedia i would say uh between seven and up um okay, okay so so it's appropriate for a younger crowd yeah, so basically you have a group of kids. Uh, I believe there's three kids. They're looking for their parents. Okay, their parents go missing. Uh, the only way to get into this town is if you fall asleep. And then when you get into the town, uh, it's basically somewhere that only exists in your dreams or whatever. Sure. Uh, crazy things happen here um really great visuals and like i said it just feels like a a longer goosebumps episode um that i'm so happy i rediscovered because this movie is a pain in the ass to try to find if you can't remember the title um because i think it's just 
one of those things where uh, it's not on TV enough to kind of remember unless you own it. Yeah, that, that's what it sounds like, but it sounds interesting enough. And this Wikipedia article is, it's like I said earlier in this episode, Ken, it has references to Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And I, I, I'm like, yep, that makes sense. My number 20 is another movie that I definitely want to shed some light on. This has definitely one of my favorite actors. So one day, hopefully, we do like a Mount Rushmore type of thing for actors. Okay. Or a top 10 list or something. But Vincent Price and horror movies were made for each other. And I could have easily done a list of my top 10 favorite Vincent Price horror films. And that would have been its own thing for October. But to just pick one is what I challenged myself to do. And I ended up picking The Last Man on Earth. Now, this movie is both black and white and in color. They did colorize it later on in life. Um, This is also the film that many people uh, have written movies on by I Am Legend. So same same storyline here. Instead, they called it Last Man on Earth. Um, Vincent Price is just great in this movie. Like, if you're familiar with I Am Legend, basically, you're the only person in the movie for the majority of the runtime. So your acting, your dialogue, um, your character just has to be so significant enough to carry a runtime because not a lot is actually going on. So if you're the audience member, you have to be invested in the lead. And who better to have that than Vincent Price? Um, and I think every adaptation was great. I think in the 70s when Charlton Heston did Omega Man, that was awesome. And most recently, Will Smith did I Am Legend. So right. all three versions of this film were great. But to me, if I had to pick one, it would be Last Man on Earth. A uh, little dated nowadays, but Vincent Price is just amazing. Okay, yeah. I've heard about this in passing when talking about Will Smith's I Am Legend. So it's familiar to me now, I think. It's got the juices flowing. And I believe it's free. I think it's one of those movies that might be so old that it's free now. I mean, it's from the 60s as possible. Um I'll have to look into that because I'm a big fan of I Am Legend. Yeah, it's a it's a great book and even better as movie adaptations. Yeah. All right, let's break into the top twenty. What you got for number nineteen? My number nineteen is the original The Witches. Um, Angelica Houston as a witch is damn right terrifying. Um. I'll always remember as a kid the scene where she transforms for the first time as a witch. Oh, my God. That scene alone could give you nightmares forever. Uh, great acting. I love it. It's a classic. Um, they remade it last year with Anne Hathaway. It was garbage. I would never waste my time watching that again. Oh, I remember those promos. So, I remember people being mad too. <laughs> yeah, it's 
it's kind of like what I was saying last week with Lost Boys. Yeah. Um, if you have something that's good already, leave it alone unless you have something that can enhance it. And unfortunately, the remake was just a copy paste and it was, it was terrible. All right. You heard it here first, folks. Go watch the original witches. My number 18 is a movie not too many people talk about. In the Mouth of Madness by John Carpenter. This movie is basically a love letter to Stephen King and H.P. Lovecraft. So if those two ever wrote a book together, it would be In the Mouth of Madness. Um, John Carpenter, to me, is the best horror director ever. Um, You'll see a ton more of his movies on this list, I guarantee it. But to me, In the Mouth of Madness is one of his most original movies. Basically, it's about uh, a guy played by Sam Neill who is looking for an author who's been missing for quite some time. So his job is to basically go hunt him down and find him. That sets up the plot. Um, in order to find him, he figures out that he has to go to this town. Uh, throughout the runtime, you start wondering um, if anything that you're actually seeing is real or not. It's one of those great mind-bending horror films where by the end of it, you don't even know if what you just saw was reality or whatever they wanted you to see. Um, and who better than Sam Neill to have that journey with? Solid, solid. I like me some, you know, existential H.P. Lovecraft-esque monsters, you know. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm in for the insanity. Oh, yeah. And John Carpenter, practical effects, top tier. The imagery he uses in this film are gross like if you're familiar with hp lovecraft he made some crazy looking things and boy when you see him come to life it is scary yeah for sure uh number 17 is a movie i've talked about all the time especially when we have arguments about cgi it is (laughs) evil dead 2 yeah uh out of the franchise, I think this is the one I love the most. The first Evil Dead movie by Sam Raimi is a total uh, horror film. Totally scary. There's like little to no comedy. It's just damn right scary. Chill to the bone. The third movie, Army of Darkness, is pretty much all horror. I mean, all comedy with sprinkles of horror in it. The second movie, Evil Dead 2 was that perfect mix of horror and comedy where it's just done the correct amount where right after you have a scary scene, it has some jokes or right before a scary scene, it has some jokes. So you're not running out of the theater terrified. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, Awesome movie. And I think the best representation of what he was trying to accomplish in that franchise. Yeah, now let me ask you this, because this is a good time to ask you this. Do you prefer your your scary movies, your Halloween movies, your horror movies to be, like, full-on horror, where, like, tension is constantly 
building and the scares are like constantly up and or do you like like the lighthearted ones like evil dead where they sprinkle in jokes here and there i tend to like a tension fueled movie a little bit more um but i can appreciate it if it goes the lighthearted route too the thing that happens quite a bit now is they just try to force jokes in when it shouldn't be there if that makes sense so like evil dead 2 knows what it is and they just go for it and it's consistent throughout the entire runtime like you know within the first 15 minutes of that movie what you're getting the rest of the film and it's not like he just randomly just spits out a joke it's how they do it so spoiler for a second if you've never seen the film uh it's not too much of a spoiler because the funko pop shows this to you but there's a scene where he has to cut his hand off to um yeah uh stop himself from becoming the evil dead right so he, he cuts it off and he replaces it with the chainsaw now that is both terrifying and hilarious at the yeah, same time. Absolutely. Because for the rest of the runtime, that is his weapon, you know? Yeah, his chainsaw hand. So really cool stuff. Better and than Sharknado. Yeah. That's how you get that that blend without like um weird comedy just popping up randomly. Sure. Like Halloween 2018, we saw that together. Yes. There was a lot of times in that movie where they're just making jokes, and you're just like, why? Like, you're spending 10 minutes talking about jokes in a horror movie. Um, there's one movie on this list that I will talk about how the comedy is needed, but that's mm-hmm. only for a certain character. Okay. So. Number 16 is Child's Play 2. Um, the Chucky movies are really good. I love them all. But Child's Play 2 is the one that I love the most. Uh, I think as a kid, I watched this one the most. It's the one that was always on. Uh, and the third act is by far the best sequence in any Chucky film. So um, I, I absolutely adore this film. I, I still don't think out of horror films that he is scary in any what way. I think if I had to face Chucky, I'd just kick him in the face or shoot him. Um, <laughs> but I do enjoy the movies for what they are. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Chucky always freaked me out when I was little, so I tended to avoid those. Probably you, the one of the only monsters as creepy as Pennywise to me. So let's move on before I get scared. <laughs> Well, number 15 is another one of those movies I want to shed some light on. This is a Stephen King, George Romero adaptation, one that I watch as often as I can and actually talk for a couple seconds, Andrew, before I reveal the title. I want to grab something since it's uh, right next to me. So Yeah, sure. So here's the thing, folks. While Ken is getting his thing whatever it is i don't like chucky because he's got those weird eyes just like pennywise has those weird eyes i don't like that they just look dead on the inside all the time and i know that's part of the deal but it's still unsettling and 
the, just Chucky's confidence is so irritating because he's like, I'm gonna get you. And it's like, yeah, you know, I don't know. It's Chucky's just a creepy dude. Anyways, you were saying, Ken? Uh, so thank you for that quick intermission. Uh, and before I unveil this, um, if you have your list and you want to send it to us, please check us out on social media. Um, check us out on the Facebook group and just give us your rankings. They don't have to be 31 films, but the more the merrier and we can have a good, uh, discussion about your films. Cause maybe I totally missed one, but, um, my number 15 is going to be creep show. I don't know if you can see okay. this or not. Nice. Creep show. Um, but basically what it was was a short story that George Romero and Stephen King did together. Uh, tons of comics that they wrote and it's a anthology film. Um, based on, I think it's five of their stories and they're just great. Um, yeah. not only did they bring the comic to life, but they also, for the time period that it was, they had tons of huge actors. They had yeah. Ed Harris, Leslie Nielsen, Hal Broker, um, you name it. They had the big name stars for the time period. So, uh, I highly recommend Creep Show. Super cheesy. Um, not scary at all. Just kind of like a, uh, Tales from the Crypt kind of feel. Just a little fun movie to kind of watch yeah. yearly and, and get sure, something out sure. of it. Yeah. Not to mention George Romero. He's, he's like the father of modern zombie movies, right? Oh, yeah. So like, just, you want to get more familiar with his work, watch Creep Show. Speaking of creepy things, my number 14 is John Carpenter's The Thing. Um, anytime you got John Carpenter and Kurt Russell together, you knew it was going to be a classic. Big Trouble in Little China, Escape from New York, and of course, The Thing. Um, practical effects in this movie are the best in the world. I've never seen a movie done better than this. Uh, how they were able to do certain sequences to this day, I am impressed with how they did it. Um, I, I would love to watch the behind the scenes just to kind of learn a little bit more and appreciate it for what it is. This, just like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, is another one of those who's who type of films. Um, but the thing that makes this movie even better is it's in an isolated environment. So in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, it's an open world. Okay. Yeah. So basically throughout that runtime, they're literally trying to get as far from place X as possible by plane, by train, by whatever. In this movie, they're like in Antarctica. It's freaking snowstorming. Like, there's no way they can leave. Yeah. So the only way that they can survive is to figure out who this thing is and kill it as quick as possible. And this movie is the perfect 
the second probably best ending to any horror film. Um, I'm going to say a spoiler here, so if you don't want to hear it. The movie's 40 years old. You're allowed. (laughs) But this movie, to this day, you still don't know in the final frame of the movie if the thing is truly dead or not. There's a sequence where you see Kurt Russell and the other character have an exchange where they both look at each other and they say, you know, hopefully this is over. As they look at each other, they're kind of wondering probably like, yo, are you the thing or not? And then it cuts. So, um, yeah, you, you're you always talking about this movie to me. Like, I think of the movies on this list, this is one of the ones so far that you mentioned more than the others. And I'm going to get to it sooner or later. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I definitely... Um, I'm surprised it came in at number 14, if I'm being honest. But I think that goes to show just how much I love these other movies more. Yeah. yeah. Hit us with Lucky Number 13. This no. this should be like your your top movie, but that's all right if it's not. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool if I put Friday the 13th right there? Yeah. Um, <laughs> my number 13 is a movie that I'm sure I'm going to lose a lot of respect for in the horror community because this movie bombed, but I don't care because this is my list. And that is the 2005 remake of House of Wax starring my boy Chad Michael Murray and my other boy Jared Padalecki from Supernatural. Um, House of Wax is definitely early 2000 teen scary movie right you got a bunch of attractive people in the movie they're getting slashed up one by one um the reason i keep going back to this is because i just love this film um i know the acting is terrible in it but God, it's just such a great setup. Like, could you imagine if you went to an abandoned town and you start to realize after quite some time that the people in the wax museum are real people that have been waxed by this killer? Oh, it's just it's it, it always makes you wonder about traveling in a car by yourself or with a group of friends. Cause sure. If your car breaks down and you're in one of those boofu lands, uh, we're probably never going to see you again. <laughs> it's always a fun bit. I, I'm inclined to prefer the Disney cartoon Gravity Falls and the one episode they did their version of House of Wax, but I'll take it. Solid pick at number 13, Ken. Excellent choice for number 13. Yeah, and this is the only time you're ever going to see Paris Hilton in a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Uh, my, my, <laughs> don't worry, she doesn't make it long. Uh, my number 12 is going to be People Under the Stairs by the uh, wonderful mastermind yes. of Wes Craven. This is basically the 1970s version of Don't Breathe. Um, so for those that don't know this plot, basically there is a group of people that you're rooting for in this movie that are from the hood that are poor. 
Okay. And there is this house that everyone knows of that is supposedly loaded with gold. Yeah. So these these characters are thinking to themselves, man, if we could just get in that house and get the gold, you know, we're going to be okay. Um, he does it for the right reasons. You know, he's a, a kid that's poor and his, his mom's having trouble making rent. Like he, he just wants to do the right thing. Right. Um, yes. not saying at all that this is the right thing, but in this sort of twisted movie, this is the right thing. Um, unfortunately, what they don't understand is the people that own that house are batshit crazy. Uh, <laughs> and you definitely don't want to know about the people under the stairs. Um, Wes Craven is always known for Nightmare on Elm Street uh, and Scream. Two movies, of course, we're going to get to at some point in time. Um, but... This movie, to me, is his most original idea because, A, the concept is creepy as hell, and B, what you actually find out is under the stairs is so disturbing uh, and will haunt you forever. So I watch this movie maybe twice a year, sometimes three times a year, just because it's a fun um kind of like haunted house kind of movie um i just love things like that like when you're trapped in a house and people are coming after you and you got to try to get out like that kind of stuff is is tension fueled and um sets up a let's root for them to get out um it's great i highly recommend it if you've never seen it definitely some weird stuff that's going on in that movie that I don't want to advertise on the podcast, but um, it is it is definitely a masterpiece. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I might surprise you. This is one of the ones I have seen when it comes to horror, and I adore this movie. The first time I saw this, I think, was on Svengooly, which is like the Chicago area version of like, uh, you know, watch a watch along horror TV show and comment over and whatnot. I forget what it's called. Uh, they've rebooted it a million times. Um, but, no, it's good, and you're right. Uh, without saying anything else, these people are, in fact, batshit crazy, and the people under the stairs are real messed up. And when you find out why, it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I recommend it, too. It's good. And the way that kid does the thing with the candles and the coins. Oh, yeah. Genius. Absolute <laughs> genius. All I could say is run, fool, run. <laughs> run, fool, run. <laughs> Number 11 is the movie um, that I think has the best intro to a horror film ever. Uh, and that's super controversial because there's a lot of good ones. Number 11 is also the movie that has a monster in it that I think is scarier than Pennywise. Without further oh, Okay. Oh, you have a prediction before I reveal? Um I have an educated guess. I don't know how accurate it is. 
My guess is going to be you say it's It Follows. It is not. Damn. That would um, be cool. It and It Follows. That's right. <laughs> would have been catchy, yeah. My number 11 is Jeepers Creepers, okay. starring the wonderful Justin Long. Um, this is probably right. the movie I think of him right away. Um, most people might think it's Dodgeball, but Jeepers Creepers. That's it for me. By the way, is is terrifying. Um, this thing prides itself on fear. So if you're afraid of it, it's going to hunt you down, smell you and kill you for whatever body part it needs. Um, but the beginning is the best. Basically, you don't even know about the monster. It's just a high speed chase in the middle of nowhere. So imagine a very narrow street. You're just driving, and then all of a sudden, this huge truck out of nowhere is just right on your tail, and it doesn't want to get past you, and all you can do is um, try to get away from it. And these two characters in the film decide that because of that terrible experience, they wanted to figure out more about the person driving the car. Figure out where he lives so that they can oh, yeah. okay, basically so, yeah. get payback. So they got horror movie logic. Excellent. And unfortunately, sometimes it's best to just avoid those type of people because you never know what you're going to find. And boy, does this rabbit hole take you on a trip to a place nobody on this earth should ever have to find uh jeepers creepers truly terrifying movie um the costume design for the monster is is great um he is just he looks like basically a scarecrow um and the theme song throughout the film is Jeepers Creepers, would you look at those eyes? Like, <laughs> I, I think it was a, like, 1940s, 1950s bop. And it plays along with what happens in the movie. So, um, I just love it. It's a very dark movie. So throughout the entire movie, it's pretty much set at nighttime. So it's kind of hard to see what's going on. But I think that's for a good reason, because yeah. you don't really want to see what this dude's doing. Sure, sure. That makes sense. Uh, solid pick. But now, Ken, it's the final countdown. It's your top ten. Yeah, we're cracking the top ten, and we're doing it with a movie that was so controversial when it came out, but has a huge cult following now, and that is Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Now... When it comes to Halloween movies, this is one of my favorite films. But when I was a kid, I hated it. And I hated it for the same reason everyone else did when it came out. Because Michael Myers isn't in the movie. And you think to yourself, how can it be called Halloween 3 and Michael Myers isn't in it? Well, it turns out that director John Carpenter, who made Halloween 3, said... Um, I'm done with Michael Myers. We did the bit in Halloween 1 and 2. It was great. It had a good ending. We're going to take that title because it's awesome. 
And yeah. I'm just going to do a movie every single year called Halloween, blah, 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 and do a different tale that went with it. And unfortunately, despite this being an incredible movie, it tanks so bad at the box office because people wanted Michael that, of yeah. course, right after that, they went to Halloween 4, which John Carpenter, of course, said, well, I'm out. Um, <laughs> so that's some background to go with it. But Halloween 3 is a great movie. Basically, there is this this um, thing called Silver Shamrock. If you haven't heard the tune, YouTube it. It will be stuck in your head for the rest of your life. Uh, it is a curse. But Silver Shamrock is made by a legendary uh, businessman who basically... Uh, has this great idea this year to sell masks. And these masks, if you wear them, will kill you on Halloween when you watch the commercial. So throughout the runtime of this film, you're trying to figure out what is going on, what's so special about these masks, and then he realizes that his kids have the masks, so he's trying to run home as quickly as he can to warn them about what he just discovered by Silver Shamrock. Tom Atkins is the lead. He does a great job in this movie. And I think from start to finish, between the soundtrack, the pacing, and the great performance we get from Tom Atkins, that this is a great uh, supernatural horror film. Solid. And your first... Second movie of a franchise on this list of 31 movies. Is yeah. it the only? Let's find out. <laughs> Number nine is the Texas Chainsaw remake that came out in 2003 starring Jessica Biel. Um, I wanted to just pick one Texas Chainsaw Massacre film. I love the franchise almost as much as I love the Halloween franchise. It's super controversial of me to say, but I think the movies are pretty damn good as a whole. And I know a lot of people don't like um, Texas Chainsaw 3, 4, 5. They think they suck, but I'm one of the rarities that enjoys those movies. But the remake to me is everything you want out of a Texas Chainsaw film. The acting is great. Jessica Biel is the screen queen did an amazing job um and it's it's what the original was lacking uh it's fast paced and leatherface is truly terrifying now don't get me wrong in the original movie he is disturbing but the fact in the remake is they enhanced him to make him quick and fast so in the chase scenes that you have in the original movie, he's just kind of walking around with the chainsaw and you got the lead lady just screaming her head off in the remake. You're actually having chase sequences where he's running full throttle with the chainsaw and Jessica Beale's running for her life. To me, that's more terrifying and more realistic. Um, and that's why it's a better film overall because they focus more on 
Leatherface, whereas in the first original movie, they focus more on the Twisted family. Sure. Yeah. All right. Solid reasoning. I agree with it. Good pick for number nine. Now, number eight is a movie that I think is more disturbing than Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but might be mistakenly put in the family-friendly section. Oh, no. And that movie is Coraline. Um, Stephanie introduced me to this film many years ago. Um, I don't know if it was Netflix or whatever, but one day she's like, hey, I think you'll like this movie. And I watched it, and I was like, oh, my God, this movie is crazy. Um, And every year I watch it now because I'm just like, this movie is amazing. The concept is is disturbing. The acting is amazing. The visuals are great. It has everything that you would think a Tim Burton movie would have, but it's not Tim Burton. Um, and it just keeps me coming back for more because it's just such a fantasy film that goes so dark so quickly that I can't believe um, kids were allowed to see this. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I love Neil Gaiman. I love his writing. Uh, it's a creepy movie, man. It's, I love stop motion, but stop motion plus scary, man, it just creeps me out. Oh, yeah. I... Uh, I will think twice about crawling into a crawl space. <laughs> uh, my number seven is a movie we talked about extensively last week. Uh, Lost Boys. Um, it, this was tough. I really thought that this was also going to be a movie higher on my list, but um, it comes in at number seven. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Kiefer Sutherland as the lead is truly terrifying. And the the third act is awesome. Uh, anytime you can see two vampires duking it out is uh, take my money. Awesome. Yeah. You, I mean, you talked about it last week. Let's not dwaddle. Is that the word here? Let's 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 not overstare. Welcome with the Lost Boys. Let's continue <laughs> onwards. Number six is my favorite. Uh, Tim Burton film and Tim Burton has made a lot of good films like Batman like uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure um, like Nightmare Before Christmas but to me my favorite film is Beetlejuice 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 I hope he doesn't join the podcast um, <laughs> it's there's not a whole lot fresh or new that I can say about this movie other than Michael Keaton was born to play Beetlejuice. Um, the older I get, the more I appreciate this film for as dark and as wrong as it is. <laughs> There's a lot of jokes I, I'm starting to see as I get older that I'm like, wow, I can't believe I saw that as a kid. All right. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's awesome to see something like this live action because they nailed it. And I don't think you can make this movie today 
Um, it's just a timeless movie that I will always watch as often as I can. Uh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. It helps explain who you are, I think, that's for sure. Uh, this is one of those movies that's probably on my uh, Halloween movie uh, list of shame. Oh, uh, no. I gotta don't, get on it. Don't tell me you've never seen it. Uh, if I have, I can't remember it. But, I, but like, I, Beetlejuice is so, like, common across media. Like, I know what Beetlejuice looks like. I know the Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice shtick. Like, I know Beetlejuice without remembering Beetlejuice. The whole dinner table sequence where they sing, Shake, 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 Sonora. Yeah, like, right? that's the thing. I know that scene, right? <laughs> but I don't know if I've seen all of Beetlejuice. Oh, man. I will rent it to you, dude. I own it in multiple formats, so. <laughs> and I want to say it's either on HBO Max or Prime right now. It's one of those movies. It's probably everywhere. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I have two Beetlejuice Funko Pops, so that goes to show you something. Exactly. We're- we're in the top five now, Andrew. This is the uh, the cream of the cream, the top of the top, the best of the best. Uh, a lot of those didn't even make sense. <laughs> no, it's the cream of the cream. It's the crap of the crop. You got you. <laughs> uh, my number five is Wes Craven's uh, best movie, Scream. Excellent choice. Um, I think... They needed to reinvent the slasher. And in the 90s, we got I Know What You Did Last Summer, and then we got Scream. Neve yeah. Campbell, I hope I'm saying that right. Maybe it's Nev. Um, it's Nev. As the Scream Queen, amazing. She has carried Sidney Prescott into four great films. <laughs> uh, Officer Dewey, played by David Arquette, is great. Um, Matthew Lillard, um, and uh I think his name is Skeet or Skit. Um were the two leads as the villains that play Ghostface. Drew Barrymore in the opening sequence is amazing. You'll always remember that scene for as long yeah. as you live. Um my favorite is Jamie Kennedy, who plays Randy, who basically is the guy telling you throughout the movie what you shouldn't do if you want to survive a horror movie. I love that. I think that his role in Scream is amazing. Some people might find it annoying. I think it adds a whole new thing to Scream. Um, Don't do it! Especially when they're watching Halloween. He's like, oh, you can't have sex. If you have sex, you're going to die right away. Yeah. Um. It's just it's it's a timeless movie. Um, it it's fresh. It's new. No one's ever done anything like that. Everyone knows the what's your favorite scary movie? You know, yeah. like yeah. oh God, can you no. name a movie that meant more to the slasher genre than that? I don't think I can. Like this movie is iconic for when it came out and like the decade after it right the ghost face killer mask is like so recognizable 
the movies that follow it are super tongue in cheek and self referential and like there's a new one coming out next year. Yeah, I think like I think if you ask me to like name slasher films, I might name Scream before I name like Nightmare on Elm Street first, just because it comes first to my mind. Not necessarily because it's better, but if I'm thinking of scary movies, this might be one of the first ones to come to mind. Yeah, I I have to agree, and I just want to add two things. One, everyone at one point in their life has been Ghostface for Halloween. Two, I love the fact that anyone can be the killer. Um, I think that that is also a reason why this is the most original slasher of all time. Yeah, agreed 100%. My number four is going to be another movie in a franchise that we are going to talk about a lot, and that's Halloween 2. Hey. So, Ken, what's your favorite horror franchise? (laughs) Halloween. (laughs) Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger are in a toss-up for me as who I prefer more as the iconic horror villain. Uh, It's so tough because I love the Halloween franchise. Halloween 2, at one point in my life, was my favorite horror film. Um, this is the one where Jamie Lee Curtis, who plays Laurie Strode, is in a hospital for the entire movie. Okay, It takes place right after the events of Halloween. So they take her to the hospital, um, and Michael Myers realizes where she's at, and he's coming to finish off what he should have done in the first movie. Um, I love this movie for two reasons. One, it's a continuous cut from the first movie. So if you watch them back to back, it's literally like watching uh, a true sequel, um, which a lot of films don't do anymore. And that sucks because it's awesome. You can literally stop Halloween one, start Halloween two and boom. It's almost like, holy shit, did I just watch um, a continuous story? Yeah. Um, and if you pay people enough, there is a cutout there that is the double feature. Um, I've thought about it. Uh, <laughs> but I love how it's just in one setting. It's in the hospital. She's wounded. She can barely move. So you get a limping Laurie Strode versus an amped up Michael Myers. And of course, my favorite Dr. Loomis comes back in this one to try to be the hero and save Lori from the madman that is Michael Myers. And the Sandman song is one of my favorites. Mr. Sun, sing me a song. It is just, if you've never seen Halloween 2, I think as far as the sequels to the movie go, this is the best one. Yeah, I agree. It's Halloween. Halloween's good. <laughs> uh, number three is Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, Dream Warriors. Um, I could have done a similar trend like I did with Halloween and just listed a bunch of Nightmare on Elm Street films. Um, but I ended up just sticking to Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and Freddy vs. Jason. Um, rewatching Nightmare on Elm Street um, 
the quality of the movies that you get over the span of the six is bad. Um, <laughs> right after Nightmare on Elm Street 3, they totally change the direction they're trying to go with Freddy. I, as a person, enjoy all of them. I think 4, 5, and 6 are still good movies that I can enjoy, but I can see why people don't like it because his tone changes from a horror, like villain bad guy. In parts 4, 5, and 6, they start upping the comedy to the point whereby they get to number 6, it's almost like a spoof. You know? Yeah. So three is really the last time you get to see Freddy as the pure on bad guy with some comedy sprinkled in. Uh, and it has that evil to, dead two effect where it's the perfect mix for me of comedy and horror. Uh, I think the kills you get in this ones are the best, especially the one where the woman wants to be an actress. So when she's dreaming, he kills her with the TV. And he says, welcome to primetime bleep. Uh, it's something I quote all the time. Um, and it's just a great finale. In this one, there's psychic powers that get used, so that's kind of cool. The original Nancy from the first film comes back to help these people out. It's just an iconic film that if you're a fan of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, I feel like this is the one people are going to enjoy the most because it is like fan service 101. Yeah. Again, I agree. I mean, you have solid reasoning. There's not much more I can add. Freddy Krueger's a badass villain. What you got in number two? I'm, I'm excited to hear your penultimate pick. Yeah. So my, my number two and my number one are in a, interchangeable. Um, I know you know what my number one is. I can guarantee you know what my number one is. So the number two is going to be more exciting. Number two for me is The Shining. Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrance was meant to happen. Uh, I watch this movie all the time. A lot of people, including Stephen King, will say that this is not a good adaptation from the book to the live screen. Um, I have to disagree with Stephen King. I've read The Shining. It's probably one of my favorite books he's ever done. But that book is so long and there's so many unnecessary things that happen that Stanley Kubrick's version or vision, whatever you want to go with, is the right way to do this movie. As the movie goes on, you see Jack Nicholson's face and character slowly slip into insanity. And when he goes from zero to a hundred, oh boy, is it fun to watch. <laughs> he probably plays the best yeah. crazy madman ever, whether it's this movie or the Joker oh, yeah. or yeah. Um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. But God, do I love it. And uh, the scene with the axe is, of course, iconic. Here's Johnny. Um, yeah, just his the expressions on his face and like he looks crazy. Like, oh, yeah, he's he, he's brilliant in that movie. Yeah, it's 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 just it's one of those movies. The more you watch it, the more you get out of it. 
um, the scene at the end always makes me reconsider everything where you wonder if he, what that means, what that message means. Like, is he part of the, the hotel now or, or what? But I know one thing's for certain. I'm definitely not going into room 237 or whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, just so many iconic sequences. The Danny scene where he's on his like little tricycle going around the hotel and he runs into the two girls. Whoo! Yeah. That's scary stuff. Wow. Yeah, solid pick. Solid pick. Now, now tell us about number one, Jason X. Jason in space. We, <laughs> we, we, we've loved him for a long time, you know, killing those astronauts. He's, he's a brilliant, he's a brilliant piece of work. My number one should come as no surprise. It was in my top ten movies of all time, which was our first ever podcast on the Q-Busters. Before I unveil it, I just want to remind our listeners one final time um, that if you have a list, please send it to us. We'd love to review it. I'm still trying to get Andrew to come up with a a list, so maybe someday we'll see that. Yeah. Um. Go ahead. No, my reasoning is let's have you give your 31 movies so people have a movie they can watch every day of October. That's Yeah, and I, I hope this list did help you. But if there's one thing you'll notice out of this list, it's that I love Halloween. And what's more <laughs> fitting than a list of Halloween movies than to put Halloween on as my number one? Um, Surprise, it's not Jason X. <laughs> AMC Fear Fest runs every single year yes and the one movies or the one franchise that they play the most is of course halloween uh and they probably play the original halloween all the time probably more than it needs to be played but it goes to tell you that every single time that it's on whether it's the beginning the middle or the end i'm watching it so um Michael Myers is scary. Um, I don't think there is a way to take him down. He's just an unstoppable force, a man on a mission. Yeah. But he is not the reason I love this movie so much. And it's not Laurie Strode either. It, to me, as I rewatch the original Halloween, she aggravates the heck out of me. <laughs> <laughs> and so did the rest of the people. Uh, that are getting attacked that are, you know, I guess they, you want to call them the babysitters club or whatever, but they just, they're not smart. They make dumb decisions. There's clearly traps that he's setting that they fall right into. The, to me, the show stealer, the man of the hour, the person that I love the most every single time I watch this, is Dr. Sam Loomis, portrayed by Donald Pleasance. Another one of yep. those guys, if I did a Mount Rushmore, he'd be on there. He's carried this franchise. He's in the first six movies, with the exception of Halloween 3, because no one's in that. But watching the movie through his point of view is the best way to watch these movies and i encourage you the next time you watch this to do that at the beginning of the movie you see him in the car he's driving to uh the hospital and his dialogue is is awesome they gave him some great lines and basically 
Um, he's going there to make sure Michael Myers is is done and never gets freed ever again. Because he knows that dude, if he gets loose, is is going to kill some people. And, of course, they get there and all the mental patients are walking around and you're like, oh, boy. And he <laughs> knows right then and there Michael's on the loose. So he has to basically track this dude down and from the start of the movie all the way to the end of the movie he's looking for michael he's always a step behind him you yeah. know and then at the ending when you get that payoff and he's strangling laurie strode and dr loomis comes in and he just gasses him with his gun like that is what you want to see and the best way to end this movie is they shoot him three times. He falls over the thing. He says, are you okay? And then they pan to where Michael should be dead, and he's gone. Like, yeah. woo! What an awesome way to end the movie. Everyone knows the Halloween theme song. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. And the best part about it is, to me, I can watch that movie a million times, and it still holds value. Yeah, no, solid pick. Make perfect sense for who you are. You love Halloween, so of course Halloween's going to be your <laughs> number one pick. You said yourself it was on your top ten list. If, yeah. It, folks, if you don't know what you should watch this Halloween, watch a Halloween movie. Can give you four of them you should watch. So, <laughs> yeah, Michael Myers is a real is a real one. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I'll leave you with this, Andrew, two pieces of information. Number one, October 15th, Peacock is doing Halloween Kills. So the brand new movie is going to be free if you have Peacock. Number two, if you guys are just looking for family friendly content, Disney Plus has thousands of titles you can watch that are all family friendly from uh, Halloween Town, The Phantom of the Megaplex, to Mr. Boogity, Frank um, and Weenie, Frank and Weenie, Nightmare Before Christmas, all the ones that you know and love, they're there. Uh, fun for the kids. I think the Toy Story Terror Nights or whatever, that's there. Yeah, so that sounds about right. Yeah, if you're not into uh, blood and gore, turn on Disney Plus. They got some. Yeah, excellent, excellent recommendation there, Ken. Do you have anything else to add before we close out our show? Yeah, I do have a good one for snack time. Let's hear it. It's snack time. It's snack time. It just dawned on me. I know uh, pre-show we we were kind of thinking we weren't going to do snack time because the 31 movies was going to just be overkill, pun intended. Uh But since we're talking about Halloween, I want you to give me your favorite Halloween candy and the worst Halloween candy. Ooh, okay. Uh, the worst Halloween candy is an Almond Joy or a Mounds, but not because I don't like them, but because coconut is a very divisive flavor. So why are you gambling on coconut as the Halloween you give away to children that night? Kids don't like coconut. Don't give him coconut candy. Oh, man. If my mom's listening to this right now, uh, she'd probably pull a Michael Myers on you, dude. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying I don't enjoy it. I'm just saying it's not a safe bet on Halloween to give to kids. If I had to say worst Halloween candy, I got to go with Heath. Um, I know there's a, a cult following for Heath people out there, but I don't know how you enjoy that. I mean, that's <laughs> that's like the jawbreakers of chocolate candy, you know? Yeah. Um, for best Halloween candy, it's... To me, the the joy of Halloween is you go to all these different houses, you get a variety of candy. So you know what? Yeah, throw one almond joint there, it'll be fine, right? Because after you know ten houses in a row give you a three musketeers, you kind of get tired of three musketeers. So I like the houses that are giving away the unique candies. So this year, I saw at the store, Oscar Mayer has those gummy hot dogs, and I got one of these. <laughs> Like once every five years for Halloween. That's how uncommon they are, right? And I'm, I'm, when I saw them at the store, I'm like, I gotta get them just to remember, you know, cause I don't remember if they're good or not, but you'll, you remember the gummy hot dog, right? The best Halloween candy is one you remember, and you're gonna remember that gummy hot dog. You're gonna save it for last. You're gonna eat it first. Like, you're going to make it a special occasion. Yeah, you got 20 Snickers. You can eat those whenever you want. But you only got the one gummy hot dog in your bag this year. I got to say, Andrew, I have never heard or seen a gummy hot dog in my life. And I'm not about it, but I have to trust (laughs) that you know your your gummy hot dogs when you see them. (laughs) Yeah, this year I'm a little left field on candy. I thought for sure, it's very rare when we do this, but I thought for sure we were going to link up and agree on this. It's Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Um, Reese's is overrated. Oh, God. I just, I don't care (laughs) if it's single size, if it's king size, if it's pumpkin shake. If it's egg shaped, like if you're getting rid of the Easter ones, you know, I still eat it. <laughs> you're, you're eating Easter Reese's candy on Halloween when Easter is closer to coming back around. <laughs> hey man, that's that's a that's nine that's month a, old candy you're eating. <laughs> that's a statement for just how good Reese's is, but you should probably uh, double check those people handing <laughs> those out. Um, I do like Reese's. Reese's, I've always enjoyed. I've never had a bad one. Um, I'm trying to think of if there's anything that I got. Like in Halloween trick-or-treating, there was always houses that did the big bars. Those sure. people were awesome. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing, like if you go to like Rarity or Candies you don't get all the time, the individual-sized Hershey's. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah, the like single bite. <laughs> Yeah, those are awesome. Whether it's original, dark chocolate, uh, crispy, Mr. Goodbar. Yeah. See, that's that's one you don't see a lot. Mr. Goodbar, you don't see a lot. I like a crunch. You don't see them too often on Halloween. Oh, yeah, crunch, yeah. Yeah, you know, Twix. I mean, Twix is more and more common, but I love me a good Twix. Are you a left or a right Twix? <laughs> eh, they're the same. <laughs> I know. It's 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 food I want in my mouth. It's that simple. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything uh, 
Laffy Taffies were always kind of cool. Yeah, Laffy Taffies. Sometimes you see like the flavored Tootsie Rolls around Halloween. Yeah. What What's your thoughts on the last thing, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, what is that? Oh, super controversial. We're gonna either get people that love it or hate it. Candy corn. Uh, I'm not a fan. It doesn't taste how I how it looks like it should taste. Um, it's both too complicated and too simple at the same time of a flavor for me. Um, I've tr- I've tried too many times to enjoy it, and every time I'm eating candy corn, I'm thinking I could be enjoying M and M's or something else instead. I uh. I'm mixed on it. Uh, I can eat it, but I'm not going out of my way to eat it. So yeah, that's fair. Yeah, uh, I also prefer candy corn to like the candy corn that's shaped like a pumpkin or something. I'll take the original candy corn look instead. But it, it's not my cup of tea. Uh, I'll leave you with one more. You could edit this out if you want. Have you ever had a goat's? Is that what it's called? Or a bullseye? It's it's it's, it's more common. I'm, I'm not. I don't know if I'm familiar with this. Caramel outside, vanilla inside. Uh, that does not sound good to me personally. Hold on a second. Um, probably gonna have to edit this out. <laughs> all right. Well, in that case, that's our show, folks. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Q Busters. Tune in next time to the Q Busters.